listening to episode 42, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're talking with Dave and Beth Borum about their new book, When Faith Becomes Sight. Dave and Beth Borum are trained spiritual directors who now work to train other spiritual directors. Beth has written several books, including Starting Something New, Spiritual Direction for Your God-Given Dream. Dave is a graduate of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and now continues his private practice in college and career counseling with Direction for Life Work. In 2011, they launched Fall Creek Abbey in Indianapolis as a place for individuals to step away from the responsibilities of life and reorient their heart to the loving heart of God. The prophet Elijah ran away from Ahab and Jezebel and hid in the mountains to the south of Israel. And it was in that place he complained about his situation, unable to see what God was doing. It was there that Elijah looked for God's presence in an earthquake and a fire, only to find it afterward in a still, small voice. We do much the same thing in our own lives. As we try to live a lifestyle of discipleship, we look for these great moments where the heavens open up and God's audible voice tells us what to do. But the reality is often much more subtle. It's the still, small voice in the everyday moments of life. So then, how can we learn to recognize those moments? How can we learn to listen to the present moment and respond to what God is doing? In this chapter, Dave and Beth unpack the heart behind their new book, When Faith Becomes Sight, and help us learn to recognize, reflect, and respond to God's work in the everyday moments of life. Dave and Beth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Good to be with you guys tonight. Very excited to be talking with you guys about your book, When Faith Becomes Sight. Um, you guys, it, it feels like reading this book is is really a culmination of a lot of stuff that we've talked to guests about over the last year and a few months now. And so, It has been a really common theme. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> surprising how common it is. Yeah. You guys are picking up on so many good things and going into a great detail and, and very practical stories throughout it. And so, um, but I think we've got to just start with why did you guys write this book? What, what, where did this come from and how did, how did the Lord lead you to it? Sure. Well, since, uh, your listeners can't see us, then I'm just going to put it out there that David and I are both close. Uh, he's 64 and I'm 63. So you, now you have a little bit of a, a sense of our age. And I think we would say to you that, over our lifetime, we have been convinced that what gives life the most meaning and richness is a vital connection with God. We think that most people really long for that. However, that experience of God often escapes them. And it's because they perhaps don't have the kind of awareness they need uh, to recognize the presence and involvement of God in their lives. So the premise of our book is to help people heighten their awareness of God. So why is that a critical message for us today, to heighten our awareness uh, of God's presence? Mm. I think it's always a vital question, but you know what comes to mind is just the crazy information overload that we're in, the busyness of life the competing demands that we experience. And 
if our faith is just not something that we give intellectual assent to or maybe allegiance by showing up to programs and, and institutions, we have to have some way of mm, turning our heads toward the movement of the spirit. And that's not necessarily away from all of those things of our context and the realities of our ordinary lives and commitments, but it's looking at those maybe differently we're slowing down to notice the presence and action of God, so we just don't kind of brush past them. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should actually ask the question, what is faith then? Oh, yeah, that's that's really good. So, like, I have this idea that people either view faith as synonymous with religion, or they maybe just give the answer, faith is putting our hope and trust in some future thing, kind of like Hebrews 11.1 1 says. And I feel that kind of... I don't feel like either one of those fully captures what I see faith being. So, yeah, what what is faith for you guys? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank (laughs) you for asking that. This is how I think about it, especially related to our title, When Faith Becomes Sight. I think it is faith that is the thing in us that prompts us to look. It's that thing that causes us to scan the horizon of life and to say, is there a God or where is that God that I, I, I wonder about? And then sight is what happens when we begin to recognize God, when we start to see uh, experiences that we have that help point to the living and present and active person of God who's involved with us, both the, this God who is transcendent, but also a God who is near to us. So faith is that impulse to be looking, seeking, or searching for God. I'll just um, maybe switch senses here. It's sight's a great metaphor for this as well. But Benedict says, Saint Benedict says, the encouragement is to listen with the ears of the heart. Mm-hmm. It is ears, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to listen with the ears of the heart. And so I think faith is kind of tuning into that that heart space, and there's resonance Mm. with God who is in our world, who is more present than even our own heartbeat. But it's, it's faith is that kind of dialing into that resonance between my life and what God is up to and noticing. It's a bit of a noticing move. Mm -hmm. This seems to be a really big theme. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big theme in the book and it seems to have come from your your guys's practice with uh spiritual direction so it, it you know it, it's always coming up in spiritual direction it, it would you say then that spiritual direction this is the primary goal is just helping to get people to see like that so i guess maybe then i'm asking is that what this book is a result of is your experience with spiritual direction Yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I just was with, we, we have a training program here for, with spiritual directors. We have a, a gal who's offering spiritual direction to high school students, which is a bit of a mm-hmm. kind of a new uh, entry yeah, point. Yeah, don't hear and, that very often. And, yeah. and so we're kind of wondering, I wonder how this is going to go. And so I was talking with Carol about this and, and I said, you know, I think it's important for us to get clear on what we hope will happen in a spiritual direction conversation or session. And what came to mind, I mean, we wrote this book, but was, you know, these three movements of helping someone to recognize 
the presence and action and invitations of God in their ordinary lived experience, and then slowing down to actually reflect on those things, those encounters, those movements, those curiosities. For, for an experience to become real, we have to slow down and reflect on it. Otherwise, it just kind of skims across the surface of our lives. Reflection is what really takes an experience and it causes it to, uh, it, it, we take it into ourselves. And it begins then to transform us because we, it's almost like we've digested it. Mm-hmm. And then pay attention to the invitation to respond. And we're always responding, whether we're aware of it or not, we were responding. And so the question becomes, how do I want to respond? Am I responding in the way that I desire, the way that God is inviting me to? And so it's kind of like the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, I guess. It's, it's a bit of a move of like, this is what we would hope would happen in a spiritual direction meeting. And I think it's God's invitation to all of us is to live with kind of eyes wide open and hearts open and then, you know, hands and feet that respond. Does that, um, uh, sorry, you've really got me thinking here. This idea of it doesn't become real until you've reflected on it is, is really a fascinating one because I think we, we try, or at least me, I'm going to speak for me. Um, I, I feel like I have a, tr- a really hard time living in the present moment, even though I really, really want to. And one time I described it to my, um, Josh and I are both part of a pastoral coaching, uh, community. So it's, it's similar to spiritual direction, but it's, it's not quite the same thing. Although I think some of the processes would There's be There's a same. lot of overlap. Um, and I, I, I described it to him one time as saying, yeah, I wish I could spend more time in the present moment, but they just, they go by so fast. I can't, catch up to them. Um, how does that then, because that's a really cool thing is that it doesn't become real until you've reflected on it, but that, that seems like reflecting on it doesn't happen in the moment. Can you talk a little bit more about then how that, that reflecting pulls either that current moment into you or how, how does that work if you're not doing it like in the here and now? Yeah. So I think you are maybe talking about two distinct experiences. You know, reflection is something that we typically would do after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and a lot of times we're in such a habit of, you know, we have maybe a, a sort of a God sighting, like this experience of noticing something that catches our attention and then we move on. So mm-hmm. the reflection is that pausing and sitting with whatever it is that we've noticed. Maybe it was, you know, just a, uh, an, an image as we prayed or a scripture that kind of lifted up for us or a, an actual experience in our everyday life that kind of caught our attention. So reflection is what helps us pause and really listen to the invitation in that and take it into ourselves. But becoming present, I think, is something different, but it's what helps us to notice. Because if you're not present to your ordinary life and to the potential that God is showing up in the ordinary, then you do just walk right by it. So Mm -hmm. presence might have a little more to do with that ability to actually recognize, to cite those moments when God is communicating to us through our lived experience and things that we encounter. I think we can hear the word reflection and it can sound like, oh, this is like sitting down with a journal and taking, you know, three days or 30 minutes or whatever. 
But I think if we're slowing down and dialing down the pace of life, which I think is very vital to not just kind of, again, skim past the surface of life, reflection can look like 20 seconds. It can look like just that, that pause where of gratitude or, God, what do you want to say to me right now? So it doesn't have to look like major reflection, if you want to think of it that way. Um, yeah. Or it could. <laughs> or it could, or yeah. may need to, depending on the depth of the invitation or what God's putting God's finger on. It sounds like you're creating almost a habit feedback loop mm. that the more you are able to reflect and then respond, whether you respond correctly or incorrectly, that just that mere experience and then sort of registering that prepares you for the next one. Mm. Well, is that I, what you guys are talking about? I think it is. That's it's the reinforcement. I even say it in the introduction that, oh, yeah. you know, uh, it's not just recognizing one time. Mm-hmm. It's recognizing time and time again that mm-hmm. reinforces. And mm-hmm. I use the example of like, well, I'll, I'll use this. David and I are both bird watchers. <laughs> and we get really excited. You say that like it's a confession. I know it is a confession. <laughs> of course, every you know person at our age is a bird watcher and a gardener. You know, it's just something that happens when you turn our age. But so there's something so exciting about the first time you identify a bird. But what really reinforces the experience is when you see it a second and a third and a fourth time, and you're able to say, "Aha! Mm. That really is a tufted titmouse, or whatever." <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's that repeated experience that reinforces my ability to engage with those experiences um, with God. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what we're experiencing when we have those conversations with our with our pastoral coach, where we're talking about, man, I feel like we've, I I feel like God took us through this lesson like six years ago. Why are we still going through it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, maybe that's a sign of our. Our a our young age yeah. that we we just want to get through the lesson and move on to the next one. Like we should be done with this already. Well, think of your um, marriages. I mean, you're both married. Yeah. Don't you feel like more than half the time you're learning the same lesson over and over and over again? And maybe <laughs> oh yeah, maybe it's just gradually starting to yeah. kind of come to your awareness. Like oh, there's another way here. Absolutely, and I'm finding that's what God's doing with us as we as we go through these different life experiences. We may be reflecting on one experience or the same type of experience that we've had multiple times, but it feels like as we do that, like you're talking about, Beth, the, the depth of that kind of really starts to become apparent. He's teaching us the same lesson, but he's doing it in a different way that makes it sink in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and differently than we may have looked at it before. And I'm finding, honestly, that those are are kind of, uh, he does it in a way that's really uh, progressive, too. Like each each cycle through that really builds on the previous yeah. one. And, and I, find, I find God to be a really great patient teacher in that regard, because I'll go through the same lesson and think, man, I should have learned this. And then he just kind of opens up a, an aspect of it, and I go... Yeah, I totally missed that the first time around. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that I think that repetition is is really really valuable for that. Mm-hmm. I think both of uh, Go ahead. I was going to say I think both David and I, we meet with the same spiritual director each month and I can recall a time when I brought something and I and then I said to Nancy, I feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like you know, every few months I ha- I bring the same thing again and she just sat and patiently nodded her head and she said, you know, 
basically will be listening to these sort of things the rest of your life. <laughs> so I think that we probably will have to revisit because there are certain ways in which we get a little hung up um, because yeah. of who, you know, just our own personality structures and how we tend to, mm -hmm. to operate. Well, and that's an important distinction because, like, I, I've become aware of it very uh, very recently, like with our name, Daily Growth Discipleship. And this idea of growing, I mean, of course, we have a desire to grow, but a lot of times, and for a lot of people and myself included in this, that desire to grow comes from a place of not feeling like you're enough. Mm -hmm. you, ha you don't measure up. And so that growth can be motivated by, from a negative place. And so really what you're talking about here though, is not necessarily growth to overcome a certain issue, although that's going to be part of it, but it becomes growing in the relationship. Absolutely. The relation yeah, the relationship with your spiritual director, your relationship with God. And if those become our goals, then I guess, you know, if we're going to use the analogy with the wife and forgive me, if if I didn't put my clothes up this month, you know, like <laughs> I was supposed to or whatever, and that gets us into a fight, the fact, the mere fact that my wife is still contending with me in that somehow is an opportunity for us to strengthen our relationship and to, uh, you know, continue the journey together. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more that really, I think when we put too much emphasis on arriving or even becoming, you know, this kind of drive for perfectionism or maturity even of, oh, it's all about growing intimacy in the midst of kind of the mess of my life and, you know, the failures and the, the joys and the, you know, like, oh, I was my best self when I did that. But it's, it's not about arriving. It's about deepening intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. even add, and this is sort of a new awareness that I have. I think it's a growing relationship with ourself and the particular issues that we face so consistently throughout our life. You know, the same same song that never ends that's inside mm -hmm. us that we have to revisit with our spiritual directors. And I'm learning that while that song may not change, that my relationship to it is beginning to change. And I'm able to step back and listen to it and see it for what it is, but not get all whipped up with shame or um, become so horrified or so discouraged or despondent that I, uh, I get kind of in a funk. But I learn a different kind of way of relating to it. I see it for what it is. It becomes a prompt in prayer even. Oh, Lord, there I go again. Be with me. Help me. Um, grow me. Uh, grow my capacity uh, to be generous toward myself or even whatever it is I'm experiencing. Does that make any sense to you? No, actually, it, it strikes a huge chord because um, when you guys were talking about some of the spiritual direction and, and bringing the same things over and over again, I'm actually thinking of kind of the opposite of that experience that I just had with my coach where I just had sort of a, a, a breakthrough myself and a big realization. And I thought that meant that I would be able to make progress in it. But have because I, now I know, right, I'm able to create sort of that habit loop. And just last Friday, I was talking to him and I said, I feel like I failed more in this area than ever before <laughs> because I'm aware of it. Yes. But what you just said makes a lot of sense because it's not it. Maybe it's not something that's going to go away. Maybe it's something that I have to learn to 
walk with God in spite of, you know, those feelings of shame or, 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 you know, whatever they might be that are there. It's not like they're going to magically go away, but recognizing who I am in the midst of those things and that God still loves me, that's the point of the process, not to eliminate that from my life completely. Amen. Mm. Absolutely. What if, what if the Christian life was profoundly realistic? Hmm. I mean, what if, you know, what is it? Is it Irenaeus that says the glory of God is a man, a person fully alive. alive. And what if that's right sizing what kind of the aim of our journey as believers are, is to just be fully alive in our humanity. It's not to strive to become perfect or, you know, a hero uh, in the faith, but just to be fully alive as a human building with all of our kind of propensities. Yeah. I'm thinking about a Brennan Manning quote that I read once. And the first time I read it, I was horrified. In fact, I think I was angry. And then over time, I I thought, oh, my goodness. But he says, God loves you as you are, not as Mm -hmm. you should be, because you will never be as you should be. Mm. Yep. Yep. And that last part just really got me. It was a singer because I thought, well, wait a minute. I am working so hard to become the person I should be. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I'm not going to ever be that? And then I realized, oh, my goodness. That's right. God loves me as I am, not as I should be. Yeah. There's there's a great freedom and invitation in that. It's almost like not uh, take ourselves not quite so seriously and open mm-hmm. up and lighten up and let God in. I love the line from this chapter when Dave said, what if the Christian life was profoundly realistic? As disciples striving to make following Jesus our lifestyle, we must pursue Christ with the realistic vision of how he changes our lives. God chooses to work in the ordinary, everyday moments of our lives, and this process is often slow. We long for him to reach into our hearts and make everything new all at once. It seems as if things would be better if God chose to work this way. But perhaps God knows what we would miss if this were the case. The way God works in our lives causes us to be still and to reflect. We must learn to look for him. And it is through this process where God begins to reveal to us who we are. Our identities are no longer defined by the world, but by who we are in Christ. So I want to challenge you to look at your life realistically. Are you frustrated with the Christian life because you aren't making the progress you think you should be? Perhaps God seems silent and out of reach. What might be God calling you to during this time of seeking? How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Dave and Beth's work, check out fallcreekabbey.org. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Dave and Beth help us learn how to foster an awareness of God's presence. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.